and well met, travelers, and welcome to the Kinky Tavern. Pull up a stool. What do you have to drink? Here, we're going to talk about different aspects of kink, leather, the BDSM community, relationships within it, and so much more. All opinions voiced in this podcast are just that, opinions, and they should not be taken as fact or medical advice. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy. If you want to help us improve more, you can actually sign up for our Patreon and donate to that Mm -hmm. at the Kinky Tavern. Um, And you can send us questions or suggestions to any of the following. Yes. We're at the Kinky Tavern on Patreon, Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife. And that's all one word, the Kinky Tavern. We are also separately on FetLife at mdizzy, E-M-D-I-Z-Z-Y. And I am at pup underscore Merlin underscore Wrecker, R-E-K-K-R. You can also join our Discord through our link tree or through um, messaging us and we'll send you a link. Yes. We'd love to have you engage with us and help us make this the best place to learn about kink. Yeah, and you can find us also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public. Almost all the places. The content that we discuss will likely be explicit. Listener discretion is advised. Just a quick trigger warning for this episode. We will be talking about queer sex, gender sexuality, STDs, STIs, and we will briefly mention violence against LGBT individuals. If this is not something that you are able to handle right now or don't want to hear right now, that is absolutely fine. Please join us in our next episode and we hope to see you soon. All right, so trigger warning. In this episode, we'll be talking about sex, queer sex specifically, gender, sexuality, STDs and STIs, mental health, and health care around sex. So if that's not something that you can listen to today or at any time, we will see you in the next episode that isn't about sex education. Or find a different podcast. Rude. Rude. Sorry. Hi, I'm Mix Dizzy. And I am Pup Wrecker. And today we're going to talk to you about Sex Ed 101. Now, this isn't your typical sex ed because we're actually going to teach you things that going to learn you are going to learn and not just be told what to do right because sex ed has not been the best in our country at least in a lot of countries i think a lot of countries i think the only place that it's really like taught well or more comprehensive comprehensive is like in the netherlands and up in that area Mm -hmm. Um, I think even in Europe. I'm not familiar with much of that. I know they have a really, like, they start in kindergarten. Like, they start with consent. That's how it should be. Yeah. It's throughout their life, and they learn about, yeah. Yeah. So. That's how it should be. mm -hmm. In order for a child to tell you that they're being touched inappropriately or that someone has violated their consent, they need to know what their parts are called. Mm -hmm. They need to know what's inappropriate. They need to know what consent is. Bad touch and good touch are way outdated and they don't work anymore. If your five-year-old goes up to her teacher and says, my uncle licked my cookie, well, they might tell her to get a new cookie. They may not know that cookie for you means vagina. Tell your child that they have a vagina or a penis or, you know, 
you shouldn't shy away from the medical terms. That causes shame, and we'll talk more about that later too. Okay, so getting into it, why is this topic so important? In the U.S., we rank first among developed nations for rates of teen pregnancy, abortion, STDs, and STIs. Yay! We're number one. We're number one. That's bad. No, I know. It's a really bad thing. That's really bad. It's really, really bad. We are the first among all of the developed nations in the world. Mm -hmm. In the span of a year, uh, there will be 750,000 pregnant teenagers in the United States. That's so many. Of the 20 million new cases of STDs and STIs in the United States, half of them, 10 million, will be in people ages 15 to 24. Only 38 of the 50 United States have sex ed laws. Mm -hmm. 30 of those promote abstinence-only education. Only, Only eight states include comprehensive sex education. That is ridiculous. Completely agree. So, what is that, 22 of the states then don't have any kind of sex ed laws? Yeah. So, anything goes pretty much? Mm-hmm. Actually, they're probably not even taught probably not. in school. And 30 of them are abstinence only. Yeah. Which is just as harmful, if not more. Right, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Since 1996, actually, over a billion dollars in state and federal funding has been allocated to abstinence-only education, and despite its evidence showing... This isn't effective. Um, yeah, so basically, like, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services funded a research, a study, um, to research the effectiveness of abstinence-only education, and they found that it was not effective. And since then, federal and state funding has provided over a billion dollars to abstinence-only, ineffective sex education. Yeah, the sex education that U.S. students receive is not evidence-based or not usually evidence-based or values-neutral, and that means that there's no... You can basically say what you want. Mm -hmm. As long as it's promoting no sex before marriage or whatever, you can pretty much say whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So millions of children have participated in this abstinence program, but there was a report that came out in 2004 that found that 11 out of 13 of the curriculum were inaccurate, containing... Unproven claims, subjective conclusions, or outright falsehoods regarding reproductive health, gender traits, and the beginning of life in general. Which is, that's just not okay. Mm -mm. Apparently more than four out of every ten high schools fail to include sex ed information about the correct use of condoms. The most basic protection. Yes. That's, I mean, I know condom packages have the instructions on them. Most most of them do. I th on the actual package itself that contains the condom? No, not usually. Mm, it's on the box. It's on the or box. Or in a but pamphlet in the box. Still, that should be common knowledge, because that's, like, one of the easiest, cheapest forms of... Well, and how are you going to get a hold of a box of condoms if you don't know that you're supposed to? Right. You know, so how are you going to get the box to even see how to put it on? If I you didn't don't even think about to? that. Yeah, they it's... They don't even, like, I bet most of those don't even talk about contraception at all. Mm-mm. No, contraception is definitely not something that they talk about. A lot of times, especially in the Midwest, it's abstinence until marriage and then sex for reproduction, mm -hmm. which is so disgusting in a nation that was supposedly built on freedom of religion, and that is 100% 
puritanical fucking values. Wait, was this country found founded by who cow fetishists? Might have been. Because that sounds, yeah, that's, yeah. That, I mean. <laughs> Pretty much. They are treating us like livestock. One of the main reasons for the abortion ban listed in the draft is because there aren't enough newborn babies for people to adopt. What? There are four hundred true. There are four hundred thousand children in foster care, and one of the reasons they put in this draft for fucking federal legislation says that there are not enough newborn babies for people to adopt. That is not true. We just said, what is it, 750,000 pregnant women? Teenage pregnancies. Teenage pregnancies? Yeah. It's a lot of babies. Some of them are going to keep them. Yeah. Some of them are going to have abortions if it's still legal. Right. I pray it is. You know, sex education is absolutely fucking vital for yeah. future legislation. What the future lawmakers learn drives their direction, drives the laws. That is why we're in this position right now. Yeah, I mean... The fact that there isn't really that much in law for sex education as it is, is already not good. But if you take away someone's bodily autonomy, which is what this bill is going to do, and not provide that education about their body and how they can take care of it to prevent these abortions from happening, mm -hmm. then what's, pregnancies the, from happening? what's the point? They don't want to stop pregnancies. They, no, they want to stop they abortions. Want, they want to treat us as livestock mm -hmm. they want to breed us and have us as their worker bees and I mean, they always say like all life is sacred well if all life is sacred what about the person that's taking care of that life mm -hmm. how much of a detriment is their life going to be because of this new life that you are forcing upon them well and how many of those children that are born because abortions are illegal will starve to death right how many children in America starve to death now? I didn't look up statistics for that, but fucking seriously. I don't even have to look it up to know it's disgusting. Yep. This is just, this is ignorance, miseducation, poor education, and patriarchal, just men mm -hmm. wanting to put control over people's bodies, people with vaginas. Yeah, yeah. the abstinence-based... Has, it was supported by the Clinton administration and the Bush administration, and it was abstinence-based, and there was no evidence-based in it at all. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until the Obama administration that he implemented a program to implement, like, evidence-based curriculum that would, like, actually, you know, educate people properly. And then our commander-in-queef... Former commander-in-queef. Former commander-in-queef. Trump kind of threw that away. So... He threw everything we're away that was kinda, done by Obama that he could. Yeah, he was, we're kind of back to where we were. Um, and as far as I know, I'm, I haven't looked up what Biden has said about it. I really don't try to involve myself in politics, but this isn't politics. This is basic fucking human rights. Yeah, it is. I, I don't understand why people can't just let people be people. Mm -hmm. The whole humanity as a whole is centered around change. Mm -hmm. We... The only reason we have survived is because we've been able to adapt and change. We evolve. Yes. And Daily. everything now is devolving. Mm -hmm. And it's turning into those dystopian books that we read when we were kids. Yeah. It's so scary. 
Anyway, so more information real quick before we get into the actual sex education part. (laughs) People tend to fear what they don't know. This goes back to the miseducation, the lack of education, the poor education, values-based education, quote-unquote, where, you know, gender is binary and sexuality is just straight. (laughs) Straight or going to hell. Um, So, you know, people fear what they don't know. And when you don't teach them about LGBT people... They don't know what to do when they are faced with someone who is different. And if they have that fear, they should not ever, but have before, struck out and killed people. And the law has allowed them to get away with this. So, in 2017, LGBT people experienced 71.1 victimizations per 1,000 people, compared to 19.2 for non-LGBT people. So, LGBT people, 71 out of 1,000 people versus 19 out of 1,000 for non-LGBT people. So that's 7% versus almost 2%. Yeah, it's that's ridiculous. a huge difference. LGBT people had higher rates of serious violence, victimization, in almost every type of violent crime, except for robbery. LGBT people 16 plus are nearly four times more likely to experience violent victimization compared to non-LGBT people. Four times more likely. That is outrageous. LGBT people are six times more likely to experience violence by someone who is well known to them, and about two and a half times more likely to undergo it at the hands of a stranger. So. It's crazy. Lesbian, bi, and trans women are five times more likely than non-LBT women to experience violent victimization. And for gay, bi, and trans men, it's twice that of non-gay, bi, and trans men. About half of all victimizations to LGBT people are not reported to police. Mostly because the police struggles to overcome their own fears and protect us. Yeah. I sad. <laughs> it's, it's very sad. And I know that it's a lot and it's really heavy, but guys, this is this is it. This is the reality. I'm not even going very deep into stuff here. Mm-mm. That's all of the bad bad that we're throwing out here. Um mm-hmm. and we're going to move on into the sex education part. But this is why it's so serious. This is not just Sex ed is not just about having orgies and having fun, and it it saves lives. Mm -hmm. It prevents abuse. Why are we not doing this? (laughs) Anyway, so I wanted to talk a little bit first about how our experiences with sex ed went. I didn't write mine down. That's okay. I kind of figured you could ad lib. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. So I'll go first. I was in fifth and sixth grade, and they, for about a week... In science class, the entire fifth grade to two classrooms of about 30 kids each would, girls would go in one classroom and boys would go in the other, and then they'd swap and we'd basically just learn abstinence-only education, 100% hetero, uh, this is a penis, this is a vagina, we're never talking about genitals again, we're going to look at these ram-shaped fallopian tube diagrams and talk about sperm and egg and sex equals STDs and you're going to die. That's it. Like, literally. That's all we learned. Uh, We learned a little bit about periods. uh, But other than that, that was was it. 
all of my sex education came from two books that my mother gave me. And they weren't very good either. I mean, they, they gave me some facts, but I mostly used them for porn. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, tell us about your experience. Oh, was it just the 7th and 6th? Or 5th and 6th grade? 5th and 6th grade. After that, we really just had, like, they had us take home a baby, but that was in, like, home ec. Oh, that was part of your home ec. Mm-hmm. So we had to take home, like, a fake baby that cried all the fucking time. And yeah, I, there was, like, a program for that at my high school. I did it three fucking times. Yeah, you told me I that. Because I moved schools, and I happened to hit right when they were fucking doing it at three different schools. Yeah, I we had a program for that at my high school, but I think it was just, it was mainly for, like, either expecting mothers or someone who chose to do that program, basically. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty much all women mm-hmm. or female presenting People. I mean, I think that it's important, uh, but no, not yeah. nearly as important as the rest of everything. To be honest, I feel like that should be taught to pretty much everyone. Yeah. Here's how you take care of a tiny human. Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Just because, like, even if you don't plan on having kids, mm-hmm. just having that knowledge is good to know. Because, yeah. like, you could be faced with a situation that you don't want to be put in, but then you are put in and you have to deal with a child. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Right, absolutely agree. Okay, so my sex education was, I would say, a little better, but not too terribly much. Um, In fifth grade, they separated the boys and the girls, and then we watched a video about male anatomy and, like, how penis gets hard and erections and puberty and all that. And then the teacher asked, does anyone have any questions? And then there was a few questions asked, and... That was at the very end of the day, the school day, and then we went home. And then in seventh grade, I believe, we had, it was like in science class, and that was more about like the anatomy and everything, and what sex is, the different types of sex. I mean, that we talked about it, but like, that was more like based around like questions that people ask. Wow. So like, it was, it was more of like the anatomy and like how, like, the reproductive organs work and all that but yeah i think that was about it and like mm-hmm. the teacher had let us ask whatever questions we want and i mean she she talked about like there is anal sex there is vaginal sex there's nothing wrong with them most people don't i mean yeah that's really I mean, surprising she, to me yeah she was very like neutral mm-hmm. like she said like these are the types of sex that's how it ought to be. I mean, I, I don't think I was ever shown, like, you know, the condom on a banana. And I don't think they ever showed that. I don't Mm-mm. think they really do that anymore. Um, I never got that. But, like, I mean, I knew what condoms were. Mm-hmm. I knew how to use them. Like, mm-hmm. I was taught how to use them and what yeah. they were. But other than that, no, there were, that was it. I mean, I didn't have anything in high school other than that, than, other than porn and whatever I found online. Right. Which, that was a lot. Well, and I do want to say that while your teacher was neutral and said things like anal sex is not wrong, most teachers, they won't even I touch feel that. like, won't touch that. Now there are laws that say that teachers can't talk about anything about gay people or different genders or different sexualities in class. So if a gay student has a question about how they're going to have sex, what their body's going to do, something about their sexuality... Their gender. They're not allowed to talk to them about it. The teacher is not allowed to speak with them about it. Yeah, that's ridiculous. They could be fired. That's, so you're going to fire a teacher for teaching someone? Yeah. Something. That's that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. The whole point to have 
for having teachers is for them to teach the subjects that they want to teach to people. <laughs> that's the reason why we do this podcast. Right. Well, that's just it, is that with the education system, there's uh, it's so fucked up in so many ways, but especially with sex education, there's so much, like, like it said, 30 states require abstinence-only education. Mm-hmm. That is 60% of states require abstinence-only education. It's not okay. So, let's talk about what we missed. What did we miss in sex ed? So, I did want to cover real quick, uh, we asked for questions for this, and I had asked, what do you wish that you had been taught in sex ed? And Mood Goddess answered, and I loved her answer, so I wanted to cover it real quick. Jesus, where do I even start? Try anything? I got sent home a parental permission slip for them to sign so that I could hear about the existence of AIDS. No other sex. Just, hey, there's this scary thing that's called AIDS, and if you're going to have sex, you're going to die. And my parents still wouldn't sign that. Mm. That's so terrifying. Like, I thought my sex education was... I knew there was worse than mine, but are you... Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah. That's like the scene from Mean Girls, word for word. Wow. If you have sex, you're going to get AIDS, and you will die. That's it. That's it. (laughs) Everybody grab a banana. Moon Goddess didn't even get that. Damn. Okay, so. (laughs) What did we miss? Fucking everything. Let's start with gender. Gender is not binary. First of fucking all. Even if we're going by... The scientific sex, which is not the same as gender, sex is not binary. There are people with male parts, female parts, intersex parts. There are people with chromosomes that don't match their sex characteristics, and they would be considered intersex as well. Gender is not binary. Sex is not binary, and they are different. Sex is scientific. Gender is your identity. So there are 63 different terms to identify gender. I only covered a few. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I saw that you typed that, and I was like, there's no way there's that many in here. We're oh, gonna no. we here for hours. <laughs> I No, I just grabbed, you know, the very basics, and I figured if anyone has any questions, they can ask, and we can cover stuff later, um, or we can throw our resources up on here, and they can look at it themselves. Uh, so gender is an identity. It's your own personal sense of who you are. Uh, it also refers to socially constructed categories such as what it means to be a man or a woman. Sex refers to biological and physiological characteristics, so your genitals, hormones, chromosomes. Some people are born with the parts that match their gender. Some people are not. Yep. Some people are born with the hormones and chromosomes that match their gender, and some people are not. People who, whose sex and gender match are called cisgender. I'm a cisgendered person. Hi. People who are... Who's Gender is non-conforming, could be called gender non-conforming person, or a trans person, transgender person. Hi. (laughs) I am non-binary. We're going to talk about what that means here in a little bit. I don't want to confuse everybody by talking about it now, but I am non-binary, which is under the transgender umbrella, and so I am a trans person. Yeah, these are all kind of umbrella terms, I guess. (laughs) There, it's, it does get very complicated, but honestly... All you have to do is think of your friend as a person. Yeah. I'm just a person. Like I said before, we're all humans. Mm-hmm. We're each unique and individual. That's what makes us humans. Yeah. Everybody's going to be different. Somebody's not always going to see the same way as you see. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. Why? 
and who are you to judge that? Yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of trans people will experience something called gender dysphoria. That is the feeling of conflict between someone's assigned sex at birth and their gender identity. Ways that you can overcome this during sex are to communicate language preferences. Would you like me to call what's in your pants a pussy or a dick or a clit? Or, you know, what do you, what do you want your parts to be called? What do you want to be called? Do you have pet names that you don't like? Set very clear boundaries. Set your limits. Mm -hmm. Communicate when and how your dysphoria is happening. Practice active and ongoing consent. Is it okay if I touch you here? Do you like this? Focus on pleasurable, non-dysphoric areas. So if someone is dysphoric about their genitals and their chest, focus on their neck and their stomach and their thighs, you know, like... Their feet. Their feet. Th th yeah. Any area of the body can be erogenous. You just make it that way. The ears are a good one. Except when you make the noises. That's just because I'm weird. I know. <laughs> 0.3% of adults in the U.S. identify as transgender. And that, again, is a term for anybody whose gender differs from the sex they were assigned at birth. A transgender woman is someone who was assigned male at birth, and they are a woman. A transgender man is someone who was assigned female at birth, and they are a man. A non-binary person is someone who doesn't identify as male or female, and that would be me. I also identify as gender fluid, which means that my gender or gender presentation, expression, etc. changes over time. There are a lot of days that I dress feminine because that's what I have in my closet. That's what I'm comfortable with. There are days that I feel more masculine and might dress a little differently or present a little differently. Or I still might wear my normal clothes but just feel a little more masculine. Most of the time, my default is non-binary. I no gender. Just, just me. A gender is having no gender at all. I don't identify as that because my gender does shift, so... Uh, that's the difference there for me. The umbrella term of agender typically includes non-binary gender identities and uses the prefix demi to indicate the experience of having a partial identification or connection to a typical gender. This may include like demi-girl, demi-boy, demi-envy, or demi-trans. Hmm. I never knew that. I really liked this expression. It's called gender fuck, <laughs> also known as a gender bender. This is someone that combats the gender binary and stereotypes. They, they want to dismantle the stereotypes and the ideals of gender binary. They do this through their own gender identity and expression. They challenge existing norms and expectations in any given cultural context. They just fuck the system, basically. I would love to do that. Right. I mean, that's you do that by painting your nails. Yeah. Uh, you've let me do your makeup. Like, I mean, you, you do that. Yeah, in your everyday I, life, you dress for your job, which yeah, is normal. I work in a metal shop, so I can't really wear something fancy to work. <laughs> right. It would just go to work go in a in dress flames. one day. It would go up in flames. No, actually, work has a dress code, so I couldn't do that anyway. Oh, really? And it's it's universal. I mean, yeah, we have women that work there, and they always. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to wear jeans and a shirt. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then gray gender is a gender term that describes anyone who experiences ambivalence about their gender identity so they don't fully identify with a binary gender that's exclusively man or woman so they're kind of gray they're in the middle mm -hmm. um some pronouns that you might hear of course there's she her and he him mm -hmm. there's also they them there's z her em and i've also heard 
um, a lot of other types of neo-pronouns. Some people will pick their own. I'm not going to say what's right there. I think that sometimes it gets a little silly and that's a little offensive to people that take pronouns a little more seriously. Yeah, um, I've heard people use it before. Oh yeah, I have, especially Um, in BDSM. Oh yeah, Um, more of an object at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, there's, I'd say you can use whatever pronouns you want, but I mean, that's just, it's, it's whatever it is. Yeah, I agree. I just think that there are some people that more make jokes about pronouns than anything, and I mm-hmm. think that that's, that's offensive, because I'm telling you my pronouns are they, them, out of trust that you're going to respect it, and if you come back with something, a joke about, you know, my pronouns are mare akin, or something like that, I've seen that one, which is really oh. stu- I know. Gross. But, <laughs> I've seen it. Makes me want to shit in my mouth. <laughs> Good luck with that. Okay, so I did want to cover some non-Western approaches to gender. There is third gender, which originates in non-Western and indigenous cultures. Third gender is a gender category that includes people who have a gender that can't be exclusively categorized or man or woman, or is different from man or woman. Uh, Two-spirit is an umbrella term created by Native American communities to bring traditional indigenous understandings of gender and sexuality into Western and contemporary Native education and literature. Each First Nation tribe will have its own understanding and meaning of what it means to be two-spirit. So this term can have many definitions, uh, but it basically refers to a gender role believed to be a common, acknowledged, accepted, and praised gender classification among most First Nation communities dating back centuries. Oh, wow. Uh, Someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that a lot of First Nation communities did often, like back in the day, would often see two-spirited individuals as... Uh, somewhat more connected to the spirit, uh, mm-hmm. more more spiritual, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. That makes sense. I mean, um, I've heard that. I may be wrong, but I've heard that they were basically revered as uh, spiritual, I don't want to say leaders, but more spiritual people. <laughs> more wise, I guess. Yeah, maybe. I, it makes sense to me because, not that I can speak to this because I'm not trans, but like someone who has that mindset that nonconformity is already gonna be open mm-hmm. to new things and they're already willing choosing. to ch- they're already they're in a process of change as it is. Yeah. So they'd be more open to new things, spirituality, whatever. Yeah. And I feel like they're already challenging Mm-hmm. norms yeah. and listening to their own intuition and i feel like that in a lot of places is also highly revered and again i apologize if i'm wrong i have the same amount of that same you know one sixteenth of native american in me that every white person does i have not done much research into this kind of thing uh so if if i am miseducated please let me know yeah if anything we say on this podcast in general is oh yeah viewed as by someone as wrong or whatever reach out to us that's just we don't want to misinform yeah if we need to correct something we absolutely will part of learning part of this journey in life is being willing to be wrong yeah if you can't be wrong then you're never going to grow and change and evolve all right my turn to talk a bunch not a ton we'll go back and forth no i know this is just a really, like, 
That's a lot to cover. So much to cover. Yeah, sex, like most sex ed is covered, like when they actually teach it in school, is covered in like a day. Yeah. <laughs> a day or two. Um, thankfully though, like when I, in seventh grade, we had like a whole week or two. It was like a week or two of doing like the anatomy and everything and all that. Yeah. Ours was like just during science class. So like mm-hmm. that hour of science Same. class yeah. and it was a week yeah. of that. So five hours about, Yeah. but we're trying to cover it in a little over an hour. I hope uh, this is probably going to be a two parter by the way. We, we, we are going to try and do it in one, but if it ends up being too long, we're going to split it into two because yeah. We don't want to have anything over like an hour and a half on the podcast. Yeah. I just think that's a little cumbersome. All right. So I'm going to talk about sexual identity. So there are 47 terms to identify sexuality. Sexuality and sexual orientation is about who someone feels sexually and emotionally attracted to. This can be romantic or emotional attraction or both. And I kind of, I know that sexual orientation and romantic orientation are different yeah however i kind of put them into one just for the sake of time they're kind of intertwined they are oftentimes intertwined yeah most people who are heterosexual are also heteroromantic etc but there are people who are say heterosexual but homoromantic they could only have meaningful long-term relationships with women but they could only fuck men um, you know, so anyway, yeah. I just wanted to cover that real quick before you continued. Yeah. So I, do, I identify as pansexual and demi-romantic, and I'll get to that here in a bit. Mm-hmm. But we have heterosexual people who are attracted to the opposite sex. That is the typical, it's, we live in a heteronormative society, so heterosexual is like the way to go. By God. Mm-hmm. And we have homosexual people. He, this is an outdated term rooted in the fields of medicine, and it's it's basically the Latin roots are homo means same, so same sex. So these are gay men and lesbian women. Gay men are attracted to men, lesbian women are attracted to women. Mm-hmm. Bisexual people are attracted to more than one gender. It's kind of, I don't know, bisexual and pansexual are kind of the same, sort of. There's a difference, but there's not. It's, it's it's really kind of ambivalent because in the community, some people say that bisexual people are attracted to both men and women, and that would include transgender men and women. But then what about the non-binary people and stuff like that? So mm. I think that pansexual is more inclusive, but I've also heard people saying that pansexual is bad. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. So... The definition we found was that bisexual is the attraction to more than one gender. You have biromantic people, people who experience romantic attraction to people of more than one gender, um, pansexual, which is attraction to people regardless of their gender, that's me, um, and panromantic, which is a term that describes people who can experience romance or emotional attraction to anyone regardless of gender, sex, or identity. Asexual people. I, I'm, I'm in a partnership with one, with one of those. Yep. And you are aromantic in a way because you are demi-romantic. That's and that's true. under the aromantic umbrella. Very true. So an asexual person, is, this is an um, umbrella term, a person who experiences little or no sexual attraction. 
There are several terms under this, so here we go. Allosexual. A-L-L-O-sexual. A word and category describing those who experience sexual attraction. Use of this term helps normalize the experience of people on the asexual spectrum and provides a more specific label to describe those who aren't part of the asexual community. So basically it's just the opposite of asexual. Oh, okay. So like how heterosexual is opposite of homosexual. Gotcha. Cisgender is the opposite of transgender. I put allosexual in as the opposite of asexual. Hmm. Interesting. I've never heard of that before. It's not often used, but it does help to normalize the experience of asexual people because just like if a cisgender person puts their pronouns on their profile and doesn't make a huge deal about it, because when you make a huge deal about it, it's weird. Um, it's it's just that kind of support, that kind of normalization. Yeah. All right. Next we have aromantic. Aromantic orientation <laughs> that describes people who experience little or no romantic attraction regardless of sex or gender. So that could be someone who just wants sex, or it could someone be someone who doesn't want sex, just wants to be friends, mm-hmm. or whatever. Another term we have is sex repulsed. This is on the spectrum of asexuality and describes those who are asexual and are repulsed by or extremely disinterested in sex or sexual behavior. I haven't really met very many sex repulsed people. Um, it's a thing. It's, it's a valid thing. Yeah, I've met um, a few. I I would assume a lot of that might be based on, I mean, everybody's different, but I would assume that's kind of based on trauma, probably. Not necessarily, but... Not necessarily. I I would say that that's a negative stereotype of the community, Hmm. of the asexual community, um, is that it's based on trauma. It absolutely doesn't have to be. Um, It could... Hmm, That's true. It's just who you are. I don't think that it needs any more explanation than, say, why someone who's gay is gay, you know? That's true. So, sex-averse. Sex-averse describes those who are on the asexual spectrum and are averse to or extremely disinterested in sex or sexual behavior. So, sex-repulsed and sex-averse are very similar. Mm-hmm. However, sex-repulsed basically means that... No sex. They are, they're repulsed by it. They're disgusted by sex. They makes absolutely Yeah, like it makes them recoil. Um, sex-averse is just like, mm, no... I'm okay. It's fine that you're having sex. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. Then we have sex favorable. This is also on the spectrum of asexuality. Sex favorable is viewed as the opposite of sex repulsed and describes those who are asexual and in certain situations can have favorable or positive feelings towards sex. I am a sex favorable demisexual, which we're going to talk about in a second as a part of the asexual spectrum. Um, I enjoy sex a lot. I have sexual feelings and attraction at times to people that I have an emotional relationship with. However, I often don't initiate sex. Mm-hmm. I do that. Mm-hmm. It's your job. <laughs> That's my job. <laughs> yeah. Our other partner is also sex So Next we have sex indifferent. Sex indifferent describes those who are on the asexual spectrum and feel indifferent or neutral about sex or sexual behavior. So, I would assume that's more like, eh, take it or leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess if my partner wants to do it, I'm not opposed to it. Usually they'll probably enjoy themselves during sex, but it's not like... It's not really their thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we get two demisexual... That's me! Yeah. So, this is on the asexual spectrum. Of course, these all are. 
This sexual orientation describes people who experience sexual attraction only under specific circumstances, such as after building a romantic or emotional relationship with a person. Mm -hmm. So, basically, you have to have some kind of connection with someone. Yeah. Basically, I have to know you well enough to like you. Mm -hmm. Personally, like as a person, to be fully attracted to you. I can recognize someone's attraction as a person and be like, damn, they're hot, but I probably would not be able to bring myself to fuck anybody without that connection. It's been a long time since I've even tried, nor do I care to. Yeah, that's not me. <laughs> I know. You're like the exact opposite. Yeah, I'm the exact opposite. But you are, next term here, yes. a demi-romantic. I am demi-romantic, which is our next term, which is what you just said. Good job. This romantic orientation describes people who experience romantic attraction only under specific circumstances, such as after building an emotional relationship with a person. So I like I can pretty much have sex with whoever I, I want. I mean, as I mean, I can't just do that. But <laughs> I, I, I how do I say this? You enjoy casual sex with people yes. that you may have just met uh, with people that you don't know from Adam. Mm -hmm. uh, as long as you're safe, that's completely fine. But yeah. your romantic orientation does require some more. Yeah, there there finesse. needs to be there needs to be something there. Yeah, I can't just enter into a relationship with someone unless there is something there. Um, next, we have gray sexual. This term is used to acknowledge the gray area on the sexuality spectrum for people who don't explicitly or exclusively identify as asexual or aromantic. Uh, many people who identify as gray sexual have some sexual attraction or desire, but it's not on the same level or frequency as someone who as someone who identifies as allosexual. And gray romantic is basically the same thing with romantic feelings. Right. Uh, they aren't necessarily aromantic, but they don't really feel the same amount or frequency as a alloromantic person a quote-unquote typically romantic person hmm. yeah i've never really heard gray romantic used before so i haven't either um but that's not to say I mean, it doesn't exist no yeah it, it makes sense and then there's queer yeah that's that's a term i wanted to cover because that's a term that that i use personally and that i used in this episode to Basically say that, you know, we are going to talk a little bit about P2V sex, but it's mostly going to be queer sex because that's where we're missing a lot of, a lot of information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Queer is a fluid term used by some to refer to LGBT people. Yeah. And I did want to throw in here real quick. I think it's so weird, but apparently, according to a study that I found, adults are two to three times more likely to say that they have same-sex attraction or have engaged in same-sex behavior than they are to identify as lesbian, gay, or bi, which I think is very interesting. So only 3.5% of people in the U.S. identify as LGB, but 11% admit to same-sex attraction. So I feel like the amount of people who have put themselves into a box to be quote-unquote typical That's interesting. and avoid or ignore their same-sex attraction is, is a lot of people. They just don't want to join our streaming service. That's it. LGBTQ plus. Mm -hmm. You gotta get it. It's great. Use our discount code, The Kinky Tavern. <laughs> it's not a thing. It's not a thing. At LGBTQ plus dot com. I wish. 
I think that that's where we're going to stop today. We have a whole other episode recorded already about queer sex, so we're excited for you to hear that next week. And now, since we didn't have a daddy joke for this one, you'll get your daddy joke next week. We're going to throw this little tidbit in that I caught before we started recording today. So let's go ahead and do one more test. Make sure that we're both heard very well. Heard? I guess that depends. I am so sorry. That was bad. That was really, really bad. It was. And it severely dates this episode.